The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. So I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit include rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. everybody to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 103. We continue our trip around the diamond reviewing the 2021 fantasy season and if you guys heard the discussion we had before this you'd already know the reason we do this review is things stand out that you didn't notice before like it's some some players it's very very intriguing that's why we'll recap things and previews later on in the season so uh, we'll have plenty of time to answer all the questions that you guys have for the 2022 baseball season. You can find myself on Twitter at PDNTrick and my coast as always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, my friend? Uh, we're doing well today, Bubba. Bubba, it's the, my oldest son's eighth birthday. So happy birthday, Milo. He just, he turned eight today. I was telling you beforehand, it was, there was a lot of sweets that were eaten today. There was a lot of dessert. Started out with donuts early morning. Now, this is kind of heartbreaking. So we like, you know, all throughout the week, I was like, man, you're going to get donuts for breakfast. You're going to get donuts for breakfast. So he woke up early. I was wa- <laughs> I, I was waking up early, like an hour early, and I was going to go get donuts. And he woke up earlier than that. So he ended up coming with me. We pull into the parking lot and it's eerily dark, you know? Yeah. And we walk up. And it's like, I'm like looking at the sign. It's like 
5 a.m. to 7 p.m. like every day. And I'm like, what is going on? And then on this little handwritten sign, there's a note that says closed November 25th through December 2nd. Oh, man. So it was closed. So we ended up going to like the grocery store, which, you know, I don't have the best donuts in it, but he doesn't care. But I mean, for me, I was devastated because the apple. Yeah, like a fresh donut shop donut. Oh, Oh, dude. (laughs) Nothing beats, especially like that early in the morning. Like, they're right up. You know, you're not, yeah, they haven't been sitting in the case for a while. They're like, they're just coming out of the oven. The apples are probably warming them. So we did that. You know, it was great. It was fun. Um, And then he had like cookies that he brought into his classroom. And then he had cupcakes, you know? So it's just. It's been a good day. I'm a little wired, but also like kind of crashing a little bit. So (laughs) it's good. Good day to talk about first base, you know? Yes. Great day to talk about first base, a position that if you look at the Rasball player rater, like we do, and we use the Yahoo 15 team where there's different ways to do it. So eligibility will kind of be skewed, but there was 23 players that made more than $10 for you last year. Yeah. Not all would have uh, that, that flexibility on NFBC, but you get the gist. Like it was pretty, pretty wild. So It'll be fun to recap, you know, the top 15, 20 guys like we did last week for catcher, do it at first base and kind of see where things went. Because some will be obvious. Some are like, hmm, interesting. Let's talk more. So um, we'll kick it off with the simple one. The guy that blew the doors off almost everybody, not named Salvi Perez and Shohei Otani and a few others, Vladito. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. made nearly $55 when it came to the player Raider, which is just insane numbers for a guy that we knew would be good someday, and he finally broke out. And a lot of it was that the ground balls kind of disappeared. He hit 48 home runs, hit 311, 123 runs, 111 RBIs, walked more than he ever has, which was crazy to see. But the big kicker is the barrel rate went through the roof because, well, he wasn't hitting the ball on the ground. It's a very simple concept when you learn how what a barrel consists of. But when you look at the uh, the ground ball rates, he went from a 54 to a 44, fly ball 27 or 28 to like a 36 and a half. That'll do the trick when you're hitting it that hard. So there's probably much more to it, but we've talked Vlad a lot, so I don't want to bring it on anymore. But do you have any other thoughts? You're wearing the hat, so I think respect the man. So what do you got? It's a, it's a. I'm wearing my Blue Jays hat. I'm respecting. I knew this was going to come up. I mean, who could have ever doubted Vlad Jr. with that pedigree coming into this year? You just had to know that ground ball rate was going to drop ten percent. You just had to. <laughs> No, I mean, I think Vlad is really good and everybody's kind of been joking around like, oh, are you going to fade Vlad again? Because he's in the first round now. I think a lot of things definitely went his way this past year. But at the same time, I mean, he's really good. And even when you look at the projections, if you plug those into, you know, an SGP calculator, you're you're getting a top top seven, top five hitter um even with that with i mean the four stolen bases you kind of joke like oh he's got a little bit of speed but dang if he's gonna give you four to five stolen bases i mean that's pretty nice right like we love round numbers like 10 but you throw some of those guys in with the batting average that you're obviously gonna get you know there might be a little bit of a you know uh, we'll see what the blue jays do offensively i mean marcus Simeon is obviously a little bit of a loss although they do have george springer that they can kind of replace him with so It'll be interesting, you know, to see how he follows up this campaign where I do think a lot, a lot of things went his way. But as you mentioned, the ground ball percentage decrease, you know, was, was key. And the thing that really surprised me, he actually entering last season, 
his exit velocity on line drives and fly balls was not that good. And so that was part of where my doubt came from, but he definitely blew that out of the water last year and just showed that he can reach that elite power level. And I will never doubt Vlad jr. Again, I probably, I may not draft him. Who knows? Who knows? There's always a chance. There's always a chance. Yep. But, um, There's always a chance. Uh, I've passed on him the first three times so far. We'll see if, uh, well, technically, I guess he was already off the board twice for me. There's been one chance I could have had him. I passed. So we'll see how that keeps going as draft season unfolds. But let's talk about the second guy on this list. And it stood out like a sore thumb to to you. You mentioned it beforehand and to me as well when I finished writing up the Black Book stuff uh, on Tuesday to submit because they come out on uh, December 15th. So those had to be uh, turned in. But Paul Goldschmidt was your number two earner just slightly ahead of Freddie Freeman. We'll get to Freeman in a minute. But Goldie earned nearly $40. And this was impressive because people have been kind of down on Goldie after that uh, short season where he had six homers, stole a bag. He still hit 304, but really wasn't the Goldie you wanted. You know, the previous two seasons, the stolen bases were gone, three steals in 19, seven and 18. You're expecting, like, we used to love Goldie because he had 21, 32, 18 stolen bases to go with 33, 24, 36 homers. That it was like a perennial MVP candidate in Arizona. And things started sliding off where you're like, okay, well, I can get power elsewhere, blah, blah, blah. I think at least for me, I won't speak for everybody, I was foolish for thinking this, not just because the stolen bases came back to 12 last season. That's great and all. But we look at it, he had 31 home runs last year. He had 294, 102 runs, 99 RBIs. County stats have always pretty much been 90-plus for like six, seven straight years in full-season baseball. That's pretty consistently awesome. I don't know why. I just ignore that. He essentially has hit 290 or better in all but one season uh, since 2013, which is very, very good. And he has 30 or more home runs in four straight full seasons, five of his last six, six of his last eight full seasons of baseball. Like this guy is almost as consistent as it comes with the stick. And I just always kind of was like, no, no, you know, he's falling backwards. I don't know what was wrong with my dumb head, but like, I just, I wrote him off in recent years. Like I didn't even want to draft him in recent years. And I'm looking at these numbers going, we preach, you know, there's always high leverage plays. There's risky plays. There's all these types of plays. Goldschmidt might be as safe as it comes. Now, obviously, injuries can hurt stuff. That happens. But as safe as it comes to hit you, say, 25 to 30 home runs or more, 90-90, maybe still getting out 10 bags again, and hit you 290. That's outstanding production. I don't care who you are. That is amazing five-category production. So he's back up on my list pretty high, and he's going in like round five-ish and six right now, which I expect to come up as more people start to dig in on this. We'll see. What's your thoughts on Goldie as I... I was, I was, I'm just over the moon of what he's been doing. I, I feel like an idiot. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea, honestly. Like I looked at the player Raider and it was like, he finished second. I think I had him on one team that I drafted early on last year at DC. I mean, it's remarkable production. And when you look under the hood, there's no, there's nothing yep. that I'm really like that concerned about. You mentioned like injuries are a concern. I mean, they are with everybody. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what you meant when you said that, but yeah, anybody look, can get hurt. Like that happens. Yeah, exactly. But look at his plate appearances. I yep. mean, 695, 705, 665, 690, 682, shortened season, 679. The dude you plays. know, like he plays. <laughs> the guy plays. Yeah. Like you mentioned, he's had one season under 290. You know, he hit 30 home runs again on the some of the best power numbers he's had. I mean, 112 mile per hour max exit below. That's his highest since 2018. 13.6% barrel rate is the highest, you know, that he's ever had as well. Um, I mean, you look at just across the board, right? The 12 yep. stolen bases, 
12, 12 for 12, you know? So, I mean, you could say it's fluky because he had three and one the previous seasons, you know, it was the most since 2017, but we know that the Cardinals, you know, were stealing bases. They do have a new manager. We'll see if that changes anything, but um, I mean, getting a little bit of speed, especially from first base, I think is really critical. You look at the batted ball profile, like the ground ball rate is always low. It wasn't abnormally low. It wasn't like it isn't something that he can repeat. The home run per fly ball rate was actually his, you know, his second lowest yep. since 2013. You know, his hard hit rate, you know, was higher. Like his, his uh, O swing was solid. His contact rate was solid. You look, like I mentioned, like the quality of batted ball stuff. Like there's really no holes to see. And then when you look at his current ADP of, of uh, oh, what is it? It's 60 now. Yeah, it's, it's moving 60. up slowly. So, He's moving up. He's moving up. So, you know, but there's not really any holes. So he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. He's going to play every day. Yes, age is an issue, but it wasn't an issue last year. Is 34 versus 33 a huge difference? I guess we'll find out, but very solid profile. I'm incredibly surprised and and kudos. I know he was super hot down the stretch, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that the full the full body of work that he had last year was as good as it was. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm in a, in a PC 50 right now. It started yesterday on Monday and he just went at pick 5.5. So pick uh 53 or something like that, Um, which that's outstanding. Like he's, he's moving up. The first base mission is really deep as we're going to talk about. It depends on like, well, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. But if you, once you get kind of out the elite tier, there's a lot of really good first basemen. So, um, Goldie's awesome. Like it's it's crazy. You mentioned the plate appearances. Like if you just want to simplify it, he's played 155 or more games in six straight full seasons. Seven of his last eight full seasons of baseball. Like dude's good. Dude's really good. Like I said, I dude, feel like a dude dumb, is dumb. good. I feel like a, a dummy for like I know I wrote him off. I was just like you know this something was wrong. I didn't want to trust it. Blah blah blah. I'm an idiot. That's all I gotta say because uh, that that production is. I'm one of those guys that likes – we've talked about it. You kind of are too, I think, is we like to take our chances, but later in drafts, like you can get a Goldie in round four or five and just be like, I'm just putting you in, and I'm not worrying about this at all, ever. Like you love Yuli. Yuli is that guy you just plug in and play, but now you get Goldie who's like Yuli on steroids. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's, it's – like, I, <laughs> I know the draft price is different. I get it. So like the, the opportunity costs or whatever could be different when you, when you weigh it all out. But man, it's just that consistency factor that's just absolutely outstanding. So much love to Paul Goldschmidt. I apologize. Um, the third guy on this board is Freddie Freeman. We usually expect him to be near the top, and he was, you know, $39, just like a buck below Goldie. Freeman was awesome again. He's gonna be a free agent. It'll be fun to see where he lands. But uh 31 Unless more. He homers. ends up with the Dodgers. Jeez. Yeah, I hate that. I already tweeted about that today. Like I not not a fan, but uh yeah, please don't go to LA. But 31 homers. He's been a 25 plus home run guy pretty regularly for the most part, but hit 300 again. Big average guy. He's hit over 300 in uh, five of his last six seasons, which is crazy to think about. Walks a ton, doesn't strike out a lot. And he threw in eight stolen bases this last year. He's got six or more steals in like six of his last seven seasons. And well, let's say six straight full seasons. He has six or more steals. So the dude's awesome. We know how good Freddie Freeman is. So he, 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 he met the bill this year. Yeah. I mean, again, he was great. Um, can't really pick any apart the profile much. The one area of slight concern I have, and again, like this is Freddie Freeman we're talking about. So when I say slight area of concern, I just mean slight area of concern 
you know, the ground ball rate was much higher, you know, 6% higher than his career average, 11 and a half percent higher than 2020, although that's a shortened season. So the previous seasons, you know, anywhere from nine to 5% higher, you know, and if you look at his rolling average graph, it actually got worse as the season progressed. So I don't know whether he was battling an injury, whether he was struggling with approach at the plate or whatever it was, but that is just like a little note of caution, I would say. You know, that being said, like, you know, it's just, it's 300, it's 100, 100, you know, it's stolen bases. Like you mentioned, everything is really, everything is really good, including his highest max exit below, you know, ever. Oh no, since 2016, you know, this year. So it's all good. He's great. He's a great player. Um, Really safe pick. You know, obviously there's the, there's the not having the elite speed of some of the other guys that are there, but 10 stolen bases in is within the realm of possibilities. And, you know, a lot of the like super elite stolen bases guys that you really want to target are kind of gone by the time he's on the board um, in some respects. So interesting, interesting potential guy in the second round. Yeah, it'll be interesting because he went uh, 2.6 in mine. So he was picked uh, 30, 40, 50, 18. So we had Goldie at 53 and Freeman of 18. And I mentioned before on the pod is there's some interesting pockets of first base where you can try to play chicken. And it's one of those, okay, it's like, I want one of the good ones. I'm going to pass on Freeman. Do I think I can wait on Goldie? And it's going to be an interesting dilemma because that's a couple of round difference in a 12-teamer and 15 is like two round difference, give or take. So it'll uh, make things very fun when we uh, look at that and see where the ADP is when we do the review show because I think it might be a little tighter by then. Um, all right, fourth guy off the board, Matty Olson had an amazing season, got $37 just short of uh, Freddie and Goldie. Uh, the guy crushed 39 homers, 101 runs scored, 111 RBIs, even stole four bags of career high, hit 271, which he hit 267 in 2019. He's hit 247, 259. So he's not really been the average drop everyone gives him because he had a bad short season. That, if for all we know, if he plays 100 more baseball games or whatever, maybe he plays, you know, hits 230 or something. It's not that bad, but the power is there. The one thing we saw is a massive strikeout drop, a massive raising contact rate and a massive drop in swinging strike rate, all of which I really concerned about sustainability. So, Toby, what's your thoughts on this? Because you're much better at looking under the hood than I am, and those things stood out big time. Yeah, I mean, that would be my big issue with Olsen. I mean, I think he's obviously really, really good. I think last year was probably about as good as it can get, maybe. So it's like you mentioned the batting average. He hit 271. You know, which is great. He's never been a high BABIP guy. I mean, if they do get rid of the shift, I mean, that's one thing to consider actually, yeah. you know, with him is I think the average could definitely be higher. The BABIP increases, but he was right around his career average. He hit 271, you know, but a lot of that is because of that massive dip in strikeout rate. And you might think, oh, well, you know, his contact rate also increased dramatically. And that's certainly the case, right? He had a almost, you know, well, from previous seasons, about a three, three to 4%, you know, increase 4% over his career average, you know, that's significant, but to drop his strikeout rate that significantly, you know, I think that there's some variance happening there. There's some, some positive variance happening there. And so you drop that a little bit, you know, and you're looking at maybe like, you know, maybe in that two fifties range, maybe in that two forties range, if he's a little bit, 
um, unlucky. Obviously, the power metrics are really good. You know, uh, 115.3 miles per hour max exit velo. That's his highest of his career. You know, the barrel rate, though, was pretty much in line with what he's had in previous seasons, right in line with his career average, you know. And so he hit 39 home runs on 59 barrels, which is, I think, slightly higher than what you would anticipate. So maybe a little bit of regression happening there. Nothing major. But I guess the question for me at this point in time would be like, would you rather, you know, what do you feel is safer going with Matt Olson and his profile at like 42? Or if you're really going for a similar profile guy, does Pete Alonzo at like mm-hmm. pick 70 make more sense? Yep. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I'd rather probably have Alonzo straight up just because yep. I believe in the power a little bit more. I also believe in kind of the hit tool overall a little bit more. Um, and, and, and a much better lineup. I mean, because yep. the A's are going to be atrocious next year. They're going to be yep. God awful. For all and we know, so, Olsen might not be there for, by the time yeah. the season starts. Like, there's a lot of things that could take place for sure. I mean, if he goes to the Yankees, let me let us let me oh, know. Oh man, I, I may that circle back on that, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I I'd stay away from Olsen. I just think that last year was kind of the best that we're going to get from him, probably for his career, and which is a great season. But I also don't want to have to pay up for that. Yeah, that's right, man. Like, I love watching Matty Olsen, but. Even the power, I think, is legit. The average drops a bit. The county stats are going to plummet, like you said. Like the 101, like the, the 100, 100 ain't happening in that lineup unless like he runs as pure as you can run. So it's going to be very, very tough to uh, to get those. And you can find similar profiles potentially to where we think he's going to perform later on at first base, like you mentioned. So definite angles to go to there. Uh, next up on the first base list, Jose Abreu, $26.40 return for you. Keeps getting it done. He gets older and older, but another 30 home run season. That's uh, three of the last four full seasons. He's at 30 plus homers. And he's an RBI machine. He's got 117 ribbies. He's got 100 or more RBIs in all but one full season this, uh, in his career. Doesn't score a ton of runs, which is pretty surprising on that offense. But, uh, and usually hits for a 260 plus average. Not great, but has the potential to hit higher. So he's one of those guys that I get worried with his age just because he looks, he plays slow, I guess is the way it feels. So he's got that look about him like I'm concerned. But he keeps getting it done. I guess I shouldn't worry about ages. So much. You look at guys like Nelson Cruz and stuff. But Abreu concerns me, but he, he got it done again. Yeah, I mean, I really like what I see again, you know, out of Abreu. Um, I mean, it's really good. The major thing that sticks out to me, you know, in terms of change is the Babbitt. You know, way under his career average at 293. What's interesting about Abreu is if you look at his 2021 season and you look at his 2020 and in his 2018 season, those are the career, those are the years that he had the lowest BABIP of his career at 293 and 294. And if you remember in 2018 and 2019, he was going, I think he dropped to like pick 80 or something like that, you know, and it was strictly like for BABIP reasons. And you look at this past year and it's like everything's super good. Like, and you remember what happened in 2019 afterwards is, you know, he played kind of to what he usually had and you had a phenomenal season. And then last year he was bumped up into the third, the fourth round. You know, I think the same thing could happen here where I'm not really seeing any deteriorating skills, you know, his max EV down slightly right from 2019 at one, it was 117.9 in 2019. He's down at 115. 
0.6, but that's actually his second highest max exit velo for any season. His barrel rate was down a little bit, but again, we don't see the, the diminishing max exit velo really, or really exit velocity, velocity generally. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more ground ball, which is potentially a slight concern, but we're talking 2% here, right? Uh, within the realm of, of changes that happen. His, his contact rate jumped back up, not as high as it had been, but it jumped back up. And again, you look at the RBI totals. Anytime the dude is healthy in that lineup, you know, 117 last year and what could what was probably not his best effort, you know, I, I could easily see him replicating that 2019 season next year um, because the skills don't seem to have diminished much, if at all. And he's going to be in the same guy in that same lineup and he's going to crush. So I really like him and I'm looking at his ADP at 77. I mean, that's juicy. Uh Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, we have some problems because Bubba just disappeared. So I am flying solo right here, which is not a position that I love to be in because Bubba's the best host in the business. And so now I got to, I got to compensate, um, for this. So we're going to keep plugging along. Bubba, do you agree with all of my commentary on Jose Abreu? Absolutely. Toby, 100% agree. 100% with that. All right. Thank you, Bubba. I'm really glad I'm going to take over the hosting duties here. If we go over to the Raz ball, uh, player Raider from last year, a little bit of a surprise probably to folks. A guy who really turned it on in the second half um, was Brandon Lau. Now let's see. Brandon Lau does not have NS- NFBC first base, but we are still going to uh, talk about him. Uh, Bubba just texted me. Breaking news. My internet just went out. Keep on going. So I'm going to keep on going, ladies and gentlemen. I dedicate this podcast to Bubba. All right. So uh, Brandon Lau. Let's take a little look at Brandon Lau. He provided $31 of value, multi-position eligibility. Um, He probably, what did he get? He got, oh, he only got one game at first base. He only got one game at first base. So he's only going to have outfield and second base eligibility. So you want to know something? I'm not really going to talk that much about Brandon Lau. Only to say, you know, I've been wrong on him. Last year was wrong on him, uh, just in terms of what he was able to produce. Certainly a batting average liability, but continues to absolutely crush the ball and makes enough contact, had his career high in contact last year at 69.2%, which is really good. You love to see that type of improvement. He's just, he just mashes the ball. Let's see. Uh, Max EV isn't actually that fantastic, but the barrel rate is because he keeps that ground ball rate low. I'm going to guess. Yep. 34.2%. So he's really good, but we're just, we're going to skip out on Brandon loud just because, you know, we don't want to focus exclusively on the NFBC, but you know, if he's only playing one game at first base, then the chances that he's going to have eligibility in your league for first base is incredibly low. All right. Is incredibly is incredibly loud. I'm going to say, uh, that was a good joke. Uh, actually you want to sing Bubba skipped Brandon Lau. So that's why he's a great host. 
he's brilliant like that. Cause the next guy on the radar radar is Jose Abreu. And we already talked about him. So Bubba knew to skip over him. So the next one we're going to tackle. And by we, I mean me for the time being is Max Muncie. So Max Muncie last year returned. He had it $25 uh, according to the Rasball player Raider. Muncie has been incredibly consistent since he broke onto the scene um, in 2018. Last year, in less than 600 plate appearances, 249, 36 home runs, 95 runs, 94 RBI. Just his, I mean, really third straight incredible season um, in that lineup. Uh, There's, is that Bubba? I'm back. Oh, I heard him. I heard the little, I heard the mic coming on board. (laughs) I've been... I've been killing it. I mean, I don't want to say you have. I don't want to say that you should be worried for your job, <laughs> but I'm going to say it. All right, hey. we're on Max Muncie. I did Brandon Beautiful. Lau, not realizing that you intentionally skipped him because you only had one game of first base. Yeah, only. that's the that's the Yahoo uh, beauty of it oh, all. Man. He's, he's not on it, but yeah, Muncie Muncie is a beast. And uh, I tweeted it a couple days ago that I need to just bury the hatchet. You know, thirty plus homer three straight years. The only thing that might keep me off of him again this year is that UCL injury that they talked about. Oh, I'm terrified. Oh, I'm not touching Max Muncie yeah. with a with a ten foot pole yep. this year. Yeah. For folks who didn't see, so there were reports in the off season by Bob Nightingale, which not surprisingly were wrong, which was that Max Muncie did not tear his UCL. He tore his UCL. He admitted that to Alana Rizzo. Um, and that just freaks me out. Cause I know most guys get surgery and they're out for about a year. We know Glaber Torres is a really good example of a hitter, you know, who had UCL surgery and he came back and he was, he was good, but he also got the surgery and was out for almost a year, yep. um, before that. So, um, yeah, major concerns for me, but God, the numbers are nice. I mean, his highest max exit velo, his, his highest average exit velo. Uh, highest barrel rate at 16.1%, I guess 0.1% lower than his, uh, that, that season when he kind of burst onto the scenes, there's a lot to like there, including the multi-position eligibility, the first base, second base. But yeah, I, I ain't touching Max Muncie right now until, until he's like healthy and playing in spring training and looks really good. Then I might consider him, but probably not even then. Yeah. Cause the weirdest part is he says he tore his UCL, but there's been no talk about having a surgery. So I know it's I, I it's I believe it was his right arm. He's a right-handed guy. So I'm confused on what we're we're doing here. <laughs> I don't I don't know what's going on. So maybe they're trying to do the you know Tanaka will just let it heal on its own thing. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's pretty. I guess he's plays first base, so maybe not as concerned, but still an issue. So maybe we'll, maybe he'll DH this year. We'll see. That could be something he does, and it changes everything around. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm gonna stay away at least till much better news comes out about him. Bye bye. Yes. I want to steal the hosting away from you again. Oh, Breaking news. Rysel Iglesias is close to signing a four-year deal. I'm going to keep it in suspense here for you, Bubba. With the Angels. That so, makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. He's signing again with them. So yeah, I, was like. on the, I was on the Roto-Surgeon pod yesterday and we were talking about potential free agent landing spots. I said the Angels have to bring him back. It'd be foolish not to bring him back. So that's good. Good. He gets paid. They get a guy that's one of the best closers in baseball for four years. Like, 
it's a win-win. Lock it up. Give Trout at least at least they're putting pieces around Trout and Otani. At least yeah. they're trying to do something. Um, will it work? We'll see. But uh, that's good to see at least. Yeah. All right. Uh, next guy off the board. You mentioned him earlier. Big meat Pete the polar bear. Pete Alonzo, nearly $25. Dude's good. Dude's real good. Uh, played in 152 games. He's basically played 161, 57 out of 60, 152. The dude plays a lot. Uh, 37 homers, even stole three bags. Strikeout rate dropped a good amount last year. The power was still very, very good. Not the 53 homer guy. I don't think he's going to be that anytime soon unless we have the bouncy ball again. Still hit for a good average. I think you can pencil the guy in for 35, 40-plus home runs every year in a a decent average. That lineup's getting better and better, as you said, and that's why you know you could take your Matt Olsons if you want, or you can wait another round or so and go get Pete Alonzo and have no concerns about that at all. Yeah, I like – I mean, like I don't like love Pete Alonzo just because of the profile that he is, but damn, I mean, he's good and he's consistent. You know, you talk about Matt Olson's profile. You know, he's now in his two full seasons. He's hit 260 or above. So those concerns about being a guy who just kind of hits for low average and hits a ton of homers, they're wrong. You know, they're off. You mentioned the K rate dropping. Um, he also had a, a, an increase in his contact rate up to close to 77%. And the thing that I love about him is he hit those 37 home runs you know, his home run per fly ball rate was lower. It was the lowest of his career at 19.7%. You know, theoretically, that could be that the ball was deadened a little bit, you know, and he does go, you know, to dead center and, you know, to the opposite field a little bit. And I know that probably impacted the ball a little bit more there, but I still believe, I mean, the guy is elite guy. His max EV is 118.4. He had his highest barrel rate at 14.8%. You know, He's just really good. So if you think about, you know, being willing to kind of go outside, maybe, you know, you're, if you, you're like kind of a ortho, more orthodox drafter, like I am in terms of like having like a pretty rigid set of things that you follow. I mean, man, if you're just trying to fill the stat sheet, if you're just trying to say, Hey, I'm going to get something that's solid, that looks good at this range. You know, this is, Big meat Pete the polar bear. I mean, this guy, he's solid all around. I mean, I love the profile so much more than Olsen's, honestly. Yep. Um, and where he's going in drafts. I mean, theoretically, like you could go, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate for this necessarily, especially because first base is deep, but you could go Pete Alonzo and Jose Abreu, you know, back to back. And you're talking mm-hmm. about, probably 270 to 280 combined batting average 80 home you know like yeah 70 to 80 home runs 70 to 80 sure. home runs yep 220 RBI it's insane what you can do with those two you know i mean and like if if you go get like a, a turner or a tatis or a j ram like those steals in the early rounds yeah why not why not i mean and honestly if you're like a bad drafter i'm convinced that i'm a pretty bad drafter like if you're a bad drafter like me why not go after those guys and just be like i'm gonna get this and then i'm gonna try to finagle things on the on the on the back end of the draft you know where maybe i feel a little bit better about being able to like jump up and get those guys i mean you you probably don't want to fill your corner that early but i mean it's kind of enticing honestly 
Yeah, and we've talked about like you don't have to fill your roster out in any order. You could fill it out so many ways, and that's maybe that's one of the problems we've said we both have. It's like you have that mindset. You got to realize, you know, just take this guy, even though you already have five outfielders or something, and go like mix and match things and do do something different. Because in the end, you just want the total stats. Not it's not how you got there. It's it's just the total stats. That's what you want. So, and you're you are a great fabber, and the the depth of your player pool knowledge could be an interesting way to go about it. Just like, and that's why these these exercises are fun because. I'm not a big Pete guy, but you know, you look at the numbers, like you said, is you can put in 35 plus home runs. If he runs well, he gets 45 plus and he's going to do this. The offense is going to be better. It's like, why do I go and get like a guy that's going to hit 20 home runs and still 12 bags and play the outfield when I can get Pete that's going to just, you know, rake and do all these things? It's, it's, it's an interesting like mental dilemma that, that, that drafting is a, it's a fun game, a fun game we play. But uh, I mean, just looking at my spreadsheet, Bubba. I mean, Pete, big Pete, big Pete, big, big meat Pete, Pete. The polar bear is twenty fifth on my good. spreadsheet, and he's going well overall. After and he's going yeah. way after that. And a guy we just talked about, Abreu, he's at sixty eight. You know, going way after that. Olson is at thirty three though, and Goldie's at thirty nine. So it looks like I mean that may be the reason why you you press pause on first base a little bit is because. Yeah. I'm actually looking at it. There seems like there's a lot. Of, there's a ton. There's, there's a, a ton. ton of value on the board. Like yeah. we talked about you can perceived get like a, value. I should say you can get a bunch of potential, like 20 to 25 Homer guys. And with like 80, 80 type upside, you can get a lot of those guys. That's why I don't draft these guys. No, Is that what you're I, I, I think that's the, the same mindset I have. Like we mentioned earlier, like we're going to get to some guys coming up here. You're just like, Oh, I can wait on this. Oh, I can wait on this. Oh, okay. I'll wait on this. Like eventually you just don't make sure you make sure you have at least one of them if not two of them, but uh, you can play the game. You can definitely, that's the, just the first base chicken is what I'm calling it. Okay. So it's okay. A, it's interesting I, to see how, how it I've goes. Got, I've got a proposition for you, Bubba. Okay. What do we got? Let's just say you live on the edge. Yes. And, you know, in the fourth round, you decide after getting some pitchers, you decide to get Adalberto Mondesi. That mm, is living on the edge. And then in rounds... Six and seven, is that what we're dealing with there? I, I, I'm i not good at rounds. Five and six. Six, Five seven, and six, probably, yeah. You go Pete, Big Pete, big Meat Pete, and then you follow that up with a little, you know, Jose Abreu. It's interesting. It's very interesting. It's I unorthodox. Mean, but it seems can work a little really more well. than interesting, Bubba. Yeah. I, I, you know what the crazy part is? The most concerning piece, that's the modesty part. I <laughs> <laughs> I thought as opposed oh, to the rest man. of it. I mean, but to, honestly, Mondesi at 48 is such a different proposition. Uh-huh. Than like, it's, you know, and he's dang, go, he was he's, going he's, in the first round in some drafts last he'll, year. He'll like. be going higher too. This is, he's one of the perks uh, to draft in early. He'll be, he'll be hot. He'll be hot. He's one of the perks to draft in early. If you want, if you want to be a Mondesi guy, you draft now. That's the best thing I can say for you. So God, he's beautiful. Yeah. It's the profile's great. Even like we talked about it, even if he plays a hundred games, like those numbers are crazy, crazy numbers. So we'll see how that goes. The next first baseman off the board, the old man, the old Canadian, the the legend, Joey Votto, got you almost $23 of value this past season. Absolutely crushed it. Only played in 129 games, but still got the job done with 36 home runs. He hasn't done that since 2017. He's only had 35 or more home runs twice in his – or 36 more than twice – or three times in his entire career. So that's kind of the, the little poo-poo I'm going to put on this parade for a second. Strikeout rate's gone up because we've documented 
He's been more aggressive at the plate. He's going to strike out more, leading to more power. Batting average is taking a bit of a hit. I love Joey Votto. I don't think I'm going to be taking this price tag at all this year, though. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. He's going 170, though. I mean, it's not like you're paying an exorbitant cost for it. He was injured as well, you know, so he didn't play a full complement of games. You know, the 26.5% home run per fly ball, that obviously stands out a little bit, you know, compared to his career average. But then when we look at his, like, batted ball data, he had his highest exit velocity, had his highest max exit velo at 114.1. I mean, by almost a full mile per hour at his age, his barrel rate was nearly double his previous high at 17.2%. I mean, for a full season, it, it was pretty close to doing that. So I think there's a lot of support for that. But like you mentioned, I mean, you know, he is older and he was not healthy last year. I think the Reds are also going to be pretty bad next year. And, you know, so again, at 170, you know, I don't know. I mean, I have to think about it a little bit. I'll I'll Um, save my, I'll save my, would you rather questions for when we do the preview, but there's, there's a lot third on my SGP spreadsheet. I bet you there's some other first placements ahead of him that you get to draft later. I bet there is probably. So that's why it's going to be interesting. I mean, I love it's Joey interesting. Votto. I yeah. love Joey Votto, but. Still plays in that ballpark, too. I mean, yeah, dang. no, it, he's got a decent lineup around him. Like, but where's Casty? He's gone. Um, he's He's got the big guy. He's a big man. Big man, Tyler Stevenson. Oh, he di- oh he's huge. Tall. He's huge dude. Tall. 6'5", big 220. Guy. Big guy. Big guy. We haven't really been talking about, you know, let's see Joey Votto. Joey Votto is 6'2", 220. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think that, you know? It's a Canadian thing. I know. The accent. The accent makes him feel three inches taller. For sure. Yep. He's he's a decent-sized guy. Yep. He's a big, big big guy. We got to do – man, we (laughs) – we gotta roll. We gotta roll back and see where we're at with these other guys. Yeah, I don't even want to know. I don't even want. Like, we already got Big Meat Pete. He takes the cake. <laughs> he does. He does. He's sick. I think he was what he was. He was shorter. He was like I think six three, three two forty. I think. Yeah. He he's he's, he's a little squished version of uh, Stevenson. He is. Yeah. But, Man. Uh, good oh. Stuff. Max um, a little ball of fire. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I know that for sure. Uh, wait till we get to second base, Jose Altuve. Um, next first baseman off the board, JT Realmuto. We talked about him last week, so we'll kind of skip on that, but he's mm-hmm. the man. Very simple. Yes. Um, but the next one we'll talk about here, Jared Walsh. Got you a little less than $21. And he had a very impressive stat line because he had like a, he had like good stretches, kind of rough, good, rough. It's the beauty of Roto seasons, not head-to-head, because you get the, the total package with him. And he finished with 29 homers, hit 277, 98 RBIs, played 144 games. We mentioned how they're kind of developing an even better team in Anaheim. He played both those games without Mike Trout in the lineup, for crying out loud. So this kid is very good. He's going to be 28 this year. He's one of those guys like, not going to do the would you rathers now. He's one guy. It's an interesting conversation topic. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely interesting. I'm a little... You know, there's nothing that like necessarily jumps out that much. I want to see, I want to see like how he did last year, um, home and away. 
Not, I mean, higher average. Just because Anaheim is the best left-handed power park in baseball. So I was just curious about that. Um, you know, he's he's fine. I mean, the 335 Babbitt, a little bit higher than his career average. The ground ball rate is pretty high, but he, he's sustained at least over, what is it, 700 plate appearances. You know, a very high home run per fly ball rate. You know, which is which is important. He's got great contact skills, especially for the power. You know, seventy-seven percent, so better than league average in his overall contact rate, which is which is obviously important. Max Exavilo is really nice at one fourteen point eight. You know, forty-three barrels, eleven point three percent, so very good there as well. But man, I, you know, twenty-nine home runs on forty-three barrels. That's a pretty high percentage. So I would expect some regression there. I mean, steamer really likes, likes him a decent amount, you know, um, and has him pretty high up there. I'm not fully sold on him. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think I could do it. I think the guys we, I think I have the guys that we've covered. He's kind of my least favorite so far, I would say. That's fair. That's fair. It's going to be interesting to see what he does because the profile is it's there's a lot of power, a lot of power potential there. But um, does it fall off the map type thing? We'll there see. Is, but it's not, it's not that great. I mean, it's very good, but it's like, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that one plays out and, uh, as we do our uh, more talk on the first base position. But next up is Ryan Mountcastle. Got you a little less than 20 bucks this past season. Almost uh, got some rookie of the year votes as well. Finished the year with 33 home runs, four bags, 255 average. He's an interesting one because the power has never been a question, but um, he's hit for a decent average in the minors, which is great. But you look at certain parts of his profile, and it's like, okay, you know, the max EV is awesome. Barrel rates, that's good. Contact rates are kind of like, you know, lots of swinging strike. Uh, he increased the fly ball, which is great, but is that sustainable? I got questions with Mountcastle, but playing in, in Baltimore with no one to get in his way isn't one. So, He's kind of a torn one for me, and I find myself landing on him too often. I probably need to start uh, differentiating my builds, but uh, I like Mount Castle, and I might be foolish for that one. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I think the things that are jumping out at me, just initial glance, are obviously the the swinging strike rate is going to be high because the O swing is really high. I mean, his swing percentage is very high. Um, Let's see if I can get... Let me, let me see. I can't, I can't get it. Um, he's swinging at a lot of pitches. So his, his swinging strike rate is going to be pretty high. The K rate is a little bit of a concern. The home run per fly ball at 20.4, you know, it's not outlandish, but it's pretty high. The quality of contact metrics are very similar to Walsh's, you know, 114.6 max exit velo, 45 barrels. 33 home runs on 45 barrels is a very high number, though. Very high number. Now, remember, he's in Camden. So how much of that is a Camden Yards thing versus not? But it's a pretty high percentage. But then at the same time, like, you know, you look at the steamer projection, 626, you know, baking in a little bit of maybe average potential with an increase in BABIP. You're looking at the home run rate. You know, the home runs, fewer home runs, but more plate appearances, which seems relatively reasonable, you know, at 626, you know, he's still in Camden. So 
I think it's fine. And I think, you know, where he's going, 116, I'm up between him and Walsh, I probably lean Walsh a little bit. But the, the dual position eligibility is also really nice for Mountcastle as well. Yep. It's clutch. It's it's going to be interesting. Young ball players, we could see them take the next step. We could see regression. It's kind of the gamble. Like we talked about those kind of steady Eddie guys early on that you know what you're going to get for the most part. Now you're coming down here where maybe they take another step and they're smashing it, or do we go the wrong direction, which we've seen happen many times as well. So that'll be one of the fun dilemmas come draft day. What isn't a dilemma, especially if your name's uh, Toby G, is Yuli Gurriel getting you a little less than nineteen dollars this past year. He's next on our list here. He got fifteen homers, hit three nineteen, another six hundred at bat season. Just uh, plug him in and make it happen, as he is as consistent as like basically two ninety plus. Probably 15-ish home runs for the most part. Maybe gets to 20. Just plug him in and go. Yeah. Um, I, I love Yuli just because we were talking before the show. He's the type of guy right now his ADP is 207. It's going to be back at like 230, 240. You know, he's just the guy because of the profile, because of maybe the lack of quote-unquote upside. You know, he's the type of profile that just falls, but he's such a beautiful profile at the end of drafts. I mean, yeah, he hit 319 last year, probably a little above his his head, but 281 is his projection. I would definitely peg him for higher than that. I mean, 299, 291, 298, 319, you know, steady K percentage, um, steady ground ball percentage, actually, and 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 a better ground ball percentage better O swing than in any previous year, higher contact rate than in previous years. So it's not like he's getting worse. If anything, he's getting better. And then I think you combine that, like his home run per fly ball was 8.2%, you know, way lower than that 31. You know, he hit that, those 30 home runs in 2019 at a 15.6%, but his career is 10.2. And he's, he's always got the Crawford boxes there, you know, and the 15 home runs, again, it's not, the type of thing that it's going to hurt your profile as much in today's kind of ba- baseball context as it would have even a year ago, you know, when home runs were just kind of off the charts. We look at, you know, the batted ball quality metrics. Max EV is at 109.1. That's not bad at all. He did only have 16 barrels this year, a very low barrel rate at 3.4%. Um, you know, I, again, there's some luck there with the batting average, I think, but He's just, he's the, he's the, that guy. I mean, that's just who he is. I mean, the lowest he's hit in a full season was 13 home runs in 2018. And that was in 573 plate appearances. So you're essentially getting 15 home runs, you know? So you look at the steamer projection, 281, 18 homers, 72, 76. And I have no quibbles with that as kind of a conservative estimate for him, as long as he stays healthy. So, I mean, he's just such an old, boring guy. But that batting average, that late in drafts, is really a huge bonus. Yeah, no, it is it is a huge bonus. You know, you said he's, we talked about before the show, he is going to fall back. He falls back every single year. So it'll be interesting to see where he actually lands because you can get quite a steal of it. Just a, like, it's not the elite, elite numbers, but where you're getting them, it's fine, like you said. So good old Yuli, just keep putting them out there and see where it goes. Uh, next up on the first base list, C.J. Cron. 
$18.20, just, just behind Yuli. First season in Colorado, 28 home runs, hit 281 with a 316 Babbitt. Thank you, Coors Field. 92 runs scored, played in 142 games, the most of his career. He basically has had 500 at-bats or more in three straight seasons, give or take. So the production's there. They just extended him. So for once, we get to go into an offseason going, we know where CJ Cron's playing, and it's freaking awesome. And in the draft I'm doing right now, he just went off the board as we were talking at pick 11.2. So as a draft pick 122. He's been climbing up draft boards the entire season, especially since he signed again in Colorado. He's going to go quick. He's going to go early. He's awesome. He's a great player. He's going to get you 25-plus and hit for a decent average. But uh, that Rockies team's going to struggle too. So we'll have to see where that one goes. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just he's solid. I'm, I can't quibble like with anything, really. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all kind of there, and he's in cores. And, you know, again, the plate appearance is a little bit difficult, right? Like 547, he was being platooned, I think, throughout the year at different points in time. Yep. You know, with the, with the extension that he's just signed, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that doesn't happen as much. And a DH you know, but you can't really project. Yeah, you, and you, but you can't really project him for like six hundred plate appearances if he's never yeah. done it. But at the same time, like he's the type of guy where you know, okay, let's say he hits that five seventy four steamer projection. Well, you know, you still get to plug in some other guy in his place for a month of the season or or whatever that is. So again, um, really solid. I mean, you know, again, and this is why we talked about like you don't go for the big meat Pete and the Jose Abreu's maybe because you got guys like Cron and, and, yep. and all the guys we're talking about who are relatively similar and just crush. Yeah. They're going to like, they might be like 10 homers shorter, 15 RBIs shorter, but they're still going to produce a ton. And depending on what you draft them in, in between might not hurt you. So I, I, that's the, the, the interesting part of do you take the big guy early and roll or do you kind of wait and get a different position that's a little more like go get third base or go get something else that makes it pretty interesting go get a closer like it makes that discussion point quite intriguing especially this next guy off the board i was amazed digging into his profile um jonathan scope got you almost 18 dollars this past year people think of scope as a second baseman well he played over 100 games at first base this past year he was the primary first baseman for the Detroit Tigers. And they just went and signed Javi Baez. They got other pieces. He'll probably be the first baseman again this year unless Spencer Torkelson comes up pretty early because they just gave Scope another little deal. So he's sticking around. 22 home runs. That is the fifth straight full season of 20 or more home runs. He hit 278. He's hit 256 or better in five of those six seasons. His counting stats aren't the best, but they're not bad. He's got 80 or more runs and RBIs in three of those five seasons. He's been consistently good, and he's always been basically free in drafts. That's the craziest part about Jonathan Scope. He's free because people associate him with a bad baseball team or they think something's wrong with him. But when you just look at the the overall production, it's been there time and time again. And I'm hoping people forget about him again this year because he still has first base, second base eligibility, and it's going to be outstanding. Yeah. Damn, dude. It's just (laughs) – a lot of solid guys here. That's what I'm saying. A lot it's of super solid deep. guys. We haven't, even, deep, we haven't even got to man. one of my favorite ones yet. I mean, you know, like you look at his, you look at his performance too, and the only year where he was really off, you know, he had that 2018 season when it, when he hit 233. You know, that's the only season his BABIP was abnormally low. Yep. You know, and like even last and year with traded, the 22 home runs. Yeah, I mean, even with that that year, last year with the 22 home runs, 
you know, he still got it. He had a 13.5% home run per fly ball rate, which is the lowest he's had, you know, since 2014. So there's still a little bit of power upside there um, as well. You know, the approach has never been great, but he makes a ton of contact. He's in the AL Central. You know, the the Tigers are an up-and-coming team. He set his high for max exit below at 117 last year. You know, his barrel rate was at 6.8%, 34 barrels, 22 home runs. So relatively in line. You know, he's probably still like, what is he? He's 30, you know? So he's still relatively in his prime. Going at pick 210. I mean, God, there's so many solid guys. And again, another another batting average heavy dude. Yep. With second base eligibility. Yep. Yep. It's huge. It's it's amazing what he can bring to your team. And he goes late every single year. Every single year. It's all coming Uh, together, Bubba. Yep. I haven't made I haven't drafted. I haven't drafted at all. Well, I drafted like the first pitch Arizona draft. Well, you're gonna be drafted at all. I'm cool. I'm just hanging out. I'm relaxing. I'm not going to start until later on, but man, these, these are going to be really helpful. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to pat us on the back, but these position reviews, it are, opens your eyes. It opens your helpful. eyes to some, some stuff. Helpful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like this next guy, this is the one that is sneaky for me because he's on a team that everyone's writing off as horrible in the nationals. They still have some decent baseball players. Like they're not the pirates. They're going to be interesting. We're talking about Josh Bell. 27 homers, 261 average, 75 runs, 88 RBIs. Most importantly, played 144 games. He's played 143 or more games in four straight full seasons. He has 26 or more homers in three of those four seasons. He has hit 255 or better in each of those four seasons. So even when the power was down, he still hit 261 back in 2018. He walks over 10% of the time. He doesn't strike out over 19% or less in those four seasons. He's sneakier than I think people give him credit for because everyone remembers that really bad year he had. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. He had a very, very good season last year. And people are going to write him off. He also has outfield eligibility because he played a ton in the outfield last year. Josh Bell is one of my favorite kind of, if you need to just wait. Like, There's a lot of good ones I don't mind waiting on. But Bell's one of those guys that people just continually forget about. And he's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, bad news though. He only played ten games in the outfield last year. Oh, that's year, right. So he's not. He's not going to qualify. But he'll get, um, after he plays ten games oh, next year. Are, are we skipping over McMahon and Cronenworth? They're not first base eligible. Are they really not? Yeah. Well, maybe they're not. It's not their primary position, so maybe that's why I passed over him. But okay. I didn't. I didn't write about him, so I know that's not their primary. Maybe I'm wrong. They might be NFPC. Uh, Cronenworth's looked- first base. Cronenworth's first base for sure. Yeah, Cronenworth is McMahon is yeah. not. Okay, yeah. that's cool. I was just I was just wondering. We'll um, save Crone for next week. Cronenworth. I love Josh Bell too, man. Yeah. People don't realize how good he was in the second half last year. Huge, amazing. Oh, he was amazing. Once they like, once they traded everybody and they started just having him play every single day as well. Yeah, instead of goofy platoons sec- early on. Second half, Zimmerman. he had two seventy seven with fifteen home runs, thirty four runs, forty six RBI. You know what a sneaky what a, a sneaky potentially good fantasy signing happened today. You pointed it out, I think. Yes, Cesar, Cesar Hernandez. Cesar Hernandez, yeah. Getting on yeah. base for him. So I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I really love Bell. I think Bell's really good. And I think he had that one, you know, kind of bad year last year. He's gonna give you batting average, he's gonna give you power, he's gonna give you runs in RBI. He's going a little bit higher, right? He's going at 153 
So nothing crazy, um, but you know, it's just a matter, it's just a value proposition kind of at that point in time. But yeah, you look at him, uh, I, I'm going to look at his rolling average graph as well after I'm done, but his O swing was back to his usual stellar self. Contact rate was back to his usual stellar self. The ground ball rate, he could just get that ground ball rate, but 115.8 max EV. Exit velocity overall, 92.5. 35 barrels, 8.8%. Eh, that's not that great, actually. Um, so maybe a little bit lucky on that on the home run front. But again, Nationals Park is like a sneaky, is a sneaky, sneaky offensive park. park yep. Yeah. Let's see the rolling averages here. I'm going to check out the rolling averages by 40, um, by 40, the 40 game rolling average that he has just to see kind of how everything was trending. Cause I know he was just so bad at badass, like down the stretch there. Um, so let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Get rid of that Woba. Nobody wants to look at Woba. Um, so we got, man, the ground ball rate is just so high, dude. It's so high. 60% over his last 40 games. Contact rate, though, in the zone was great. Hard hit weight rate rebounded. O swing was getting better and better. Yeah, I mean, I think he's really, really solid. I think the challenge is, do you want, do, do you like him enough? Do you like him more than Reese Hoskins? Yep. And Joey That's Votto and Yuli and Jonathan Scope. And CJ Cron. Some of the other guys. Yeah, I'm yeah. Joey going Votto. right around CJ Cron. You like better than Joey him. Votto? I think there's yeah, a lot of similarities I mean, there. That's the that's kind of the question, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I do like Josh Bell a lot. I had him a, yeah. a lot last year. I think he's just sneakily underappreciated. So we'll see where that goes. I think as he gets more comfortable and, and they just keep walking one soto, they're gonna have to pitch it to Josh Bell. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'll go through a few more of these guys here. You got Ty France, got you nearly $14. First base is his primary position this season. He came up with 18 home runs last year, hit 291, played in 152 games. He's got first base, second base eligibility going into this next season, and it's going to be an improved team with Adam Fraser at second. You got Toro a full season at third. They're improving the outfield. You have to imagine Kalenic's going to be better. This could be a fun season for Ty France. He's one of those guys that you can get later on and. He's one of the guys I love with that multi-position eligibility. Like I absolutely like you know, we just talk about scope. You got France first base, second base. The ability to have first base, second base, corner, and middle are just insanely important. So I love Ty France. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the multi-position eligibility is is um is fantastic, man. He just snuck in at second base. Yep. Yep. He just got um, in there. Just snuck in. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean the one. I guess the one thing I'd say it for him is the the upside doesn't seem that strong with him. And the reason I say that, I mean, no speed, which is not necessarily surprising. The power numbers are, you know, I think everybody's always hoped that there was more there. And even Steamer's hoping for more there. It has him at 23 home runs. But um Man, I mean, he's just, you know, the home run per fly ball has been pretty steady throughout his career. You know, so you're really looking for him to make a big jump there, which I don't really see. You know, maybe if the ground ball rate goes down, which is certainly a possibility because he was it was at its highest rate of the year. He makes a ton of contact, so that batting average is not anything to to um, to to laugh at. I guess he's very similar to Yuli Gurriel. I mean, uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Um, but very he gets that eligibility. similar profile. 
Yeah, and where's he going? Pretty similar. Maybe a little sooner than Yuli. Yeah, 155. That's higher than I thought he was going. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's, he's getting some love. Yeah, for sure. All right, the, the next guy on the list here, and this is one guy that should get more love than he gets, is Nathaniel Lowe. He uh, got you about $11.60, 18 homers, eight stolen bases, 75 and 72, played in 157 games, hit 264, and everyone's talking Simeon. Everyone's talking Corey Seager. I haven't heard a lot of talk about Nathaniel Lowe getting a benefit from those guys hitting in front of him. I think that's going to be like maybe they drive in some runs that screw him over. At the same time, they're going to be on base a lot, I think, for Nathaniel Lowe to produce. He put up those numbers on a very bad Texas Rangers baseball team, which I think kind of gets underappreciated. And now they're starting to – the offense still isn't great. Like I think it was Eno Saris or someone wrote the lineup out on Twitter the other day, and like the top four or five is good, and then it's just like, boom, it's, it's rough. But Lowe's still in that top four or five, and he's going to – I think he's going to have another really good season. He could be that guy like – if you don't trust Josh Bell, how about Nathaniel Lowe? That could be kind of interesting if you want to wait a few picks and get him. So I'm curious to see what uh, more comes of him. But I, I liked what I saw finally getting a full season under his belt to play pretty much every day. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of interesting to me. You know, he's he's kind of he's all right. You know, the stolen bases is certainly really nice. Um, you want him to have more power, but God, that ground ball rate, 54.5%. I mean, that's absolutely huge. And it requires a really high home run per fly ball rate. And I'm not sure that he can necessarily do that consistently. Although, I mean, he had 38 barrels last year for 9.5% and only 18 home runs. Although his ballpark is not a great offensive ballpark so i can see where the 23 home runs for steamer are coming into play he relies on a really high babbit but it's right in line with his career average at 338 through 887 plate appearances so that's maybe why steamer has the batting average a little bit lower so i can definitely see it i can definitely see it and obviously he's still pretty young so if he can make the right changes especially you know hitting more um Hitting more fly balls, you know, hitting the ball in the air more, I think is going to be the key for him uh, to really take that next step as it is with so many people. But, you know, that ground ball rate over his last 40 games was at 60.7%. 60.7%. He was also making an absolute crap ton of contact, yep. you know, so it was like he was just trying to hit the, put the ball in play, which, you know, maybe he'll feel a little bit less pressure. Maybe he'll, you know, I, I don't know what he does to take that next step. So where he's going, you know, fine. Uh, like, it's totally fine, I think. Um, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Um, a few more guys, like, we're not, we don't have to go talk to you about him yet. We'll hit them later. But, like, Brandon Belt's down here. He made 940 and only played, like, 93 games or something because of injuries. The last one to hit by pitch on the hand. So he's an interesting one. He got Reese Hoskins. He had the shoulder injury. Hoskins. Nearly made you. Nearly made you eight oh, bucks. Dude. I'm still a huge Hoskins, Hoskins fan. Uh, you got Snow down here. All like, over whatever. Hoskins. All you got, over S- Hoskins. You got Snow down here. Uh, Anthony Rizzo's down here at 850. Uh, he's to see where he lands. You got Trey Boo Boo. You got Jesus Aguilar. Uh, Bobby Dahlback's down here. There's a ton of first baseman, Toby. Yeah, I mean, there really is. I mean, it's, it's a really um, – there's so many guys. And it's laughable, but even like – even like Eric Hosmer, 
You know, what did Hosmer end up doing last year? I mean, I know he, he only made what? what? What did he do? He got he got $0.1. Yeah. He got $1.1, but let me check something just really quickly. Um, let's see what he – let's see what we got. Yeah. Yeah, he sucked. Okay, you're yeah. right. He was absolutely was, was atrocious. Bad. Stay away from that. Yeah, I wanted guy. to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's it's not there. Yeah. I mean, although, like, in the same breath, like, he outperformed in 2020 – he underperformed in, like, what did he have? He had 12 home runs, 24 barrels, so a little bit on the low side. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Interesting. It's such a deep position. I, I don't know if I need to force the Eric Cosmer train. Yeah. I, I will. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll back off. I'll back off the Eric Mosmer train. I forget I said anything. But even like, I mean, Frank Schwindel is... Yeah, Schwindel's down there. There's a ton of guys, man. There's a ton of guys, dude. I mean, Christian yeah. Walker is yeah. at pick 400. Keston Hira, Bobby Bradley, who's going to be the first baseman. Yep. You know, he's going to hit bombs. What, what? How many bombs did he hit last year in a short period of time? He's also going to hit 180. But Yeah, like, he's not going to hit for average, but he'll hit 25-plus homers. I mean, he hit two eight. He hit sixteen home runs and two hundred seventy nine plate yep. appearances. Oh, he's gonna crush thirty five point five percent. Two sixty three Babbitt though. That seems like a little low. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, if he could just get into the two thirties. Let's see. Let's see if if his contact rate improved at all as he like continued to play throughout the year. Do a smaller small sample just for the heck of it. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. The contact rate was elevated, at least for a little while. Like the end zone was at 79.1. Did the plate discipline improve? How's his plate discipline got worse? So, yeah, I mean, but just interesting guys. Like, I mean, why not take a stab at that? You know? You got got Alex Kirilov coming off injury. Oh, Kirilov. Uh, He looks so good. Yep. Luke Voigt, I'm I'm scared of because – even when he came back, they didn't want to play him because they had Anthony Rizzo. Dude, so you know. know some of these guys are going to absolutely ball mm-hmm. out. Yep. You know Edwin Rios even. I mean, Yeah, that's one I have circled big time because oh, of Yoshi Muncy. Tsutsugo. Yep, Tsutsugo. At 530, I mean, obviously he's going to push up now that he's drafted, but his, or his min pick is 394. Yep. There's a bunch. I mean. There's a bunch. Dude, it's. Start drafting, Toby. Start drafting. No, I was kidding. I can't. Do it. I can't. I'm saving. I'm. I'm just trying to like. It feels actually really nice. I'm just taking a break. I'm doing the pod. You know, I'm not delving too deeply. I'm starting to like. You know, look around, but you know, the the last season took it out of me. It happens. It happens. I get it. Uh, I got a couple listener questions. Or one listener with two questions. Let's uh, hit up our buddy MS here at SMMS. He's the best. Uh, yes, he's awesome. Seventy nine. He has one fun one. Uh, well, they're both fun, but one like non first base one typically. You can only add one type of player on waivers for the rest of your lives slugger first baseman full of K's and no stolen bases, or hollow infielders with average and stolen base potential at the bottom of the lineup. Who you got? So, do you want a, a power bat with tons of strikeouts and no stolen bases for the rest of your life from first base? Or do you want the bottom of the lineup middle infielder that only has a decent average and potential to steal bags? Um, I think I would. Probably. 
so hard. I mean, I guess logically, like the batting average and stolen base guys. Yeah. Just because like you can stream home runs easier. So I guess I'd have to go with that. Yes, but the question was you can only make one type of waiver claim the rest of your life. It's one of these two players. So essentially you'd have to draft for everything else. Yeah. I still think I take the average and stolen base guy. I mean, the question is, are they like good at those things though? Because I think it says, I think it says a decent, I think it says decent average with potential for stolen base, and he gets to the bottom of the order. I, I so take going to be... take the power then. Yeah, I take the power because because runs and yeah, RBIs I mean, those guys you pick up off the waiver wire. How many of them? Like maybe one or two a year really work out. Yeah. So his other question, less ridiculous, he says, it's early, but we're our, we've already heard plenty about next year. What popular opinions would you most hedge against as of non, not even December? I don't know. What are some of the big narratives that are happening? I guess pitching early, relievers early, um, get your. I mean, I'm not necessarily. Early. I mean, like I'm on board with pitchers early, but I'm not necessarily. I don't think. I don't necessarily think that the pocket aces is the right strategy for this year. I don't know if that's controversial or not, but no, I think, I think you can, cause I think pitching so deep that for me, it's more, do you go relievers early? And I've gone Hendricks early a couple of times, but you got to double it up or it's like, ugh, it's still ugly guys. They're flying off the board like ridiculously fast. So uh, that's, that's one narrative that's held on so far for a month or so. But um, other than that, like third base is super shallow is a narrative. It's pretty darn accurate. Um, I haven't heard of a ton of other ones yet. Yeah. I don't know enough of the early season narratives, I think to weigh in on it. I will say, I think my, I'm going to approach drafts differently than I have in past seasons this year, just based on kind of what I'm seeing on the board. And um, I think there's a really nice kind of tier two of starting pitchers, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that goes for a little while that I could see myself going after. They're hundred percent is that's why I'm not as aggressive on the pitchers as I was before. Like you can, you'll be surprised what you can put together. You really, you can yeah. be. So I think uh, that's a very, very smart move on your part. We'll see. We'll see how it works. I could be totally wrong, but I think it's a very smart move as of now, but all right, Toby, that'll wrap us up for our first base review of the 2021 fantasy baseball season. Uh, we'll come back next week with second base, but any final thoughts? I don't think so. Again, super helpful. Um, I think just to walk through these folks, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that, like you guys who are listening are supposed to determine whether it's super helpful or not, but just from me in terms of like draft prep and getting ready for just our drafting in a, in a month or, or two, um, really helpful. And yeah, I mean, I think first base is deep. I mean, there may not be the same level of like elite talent, you know, that sometimes we think we associate with first base, but there's, I think some really good just value propositions in terms of where they're going at ADP and what to expect. And the profiles being relatively steady, you know, like and supporting what talent. we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I, and, and, and that makes it so you can wait sometimes and like, mm-hmm. you know, like you'd have no problem going like, I mean, even if you went uh, Jonathan scope and Yuli Guriel mm-hmm. after pick 200 to fill out your first base in your corner infield, I mean, that's not, not bad you're not really hurting yourself in home runs too badly and you're really buoying your batting average and then if you get your stolen bases up top you know maybe that gives you a little bit of flexibility not to have to focus so much on average at the beginning 
you know, you get like guys like uh, Jazz Chisholm or, or folks like that who maybe have some questions around their batting average. So yeah, really interesting position. I think one where you don't want to really like force yourself into anything early on, but you know, you, yeah. And you'll have some flexibility there. But, but Goldie looks so good. No, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's the fun part. That's the fun part is, uh, I think I'm going to try to do some different builds and see how, see how it all works out. Cause I, I, I think I want some Goldie in my life, but I find it so easy to wait. Like we talked about so easy to wait and get guys like where Goldie's going. Like we said, you could go get a third baseman, go get a closer. If you want to get a closer early, go get one of the big boys. Like there's so many things you could do right there where Goldie's going that uh, makes it quite interesting. But uh, we'll talk I mean, more the about thing that. is too about Goldie. I mean, he's going to be in the NL central. Yeah. It's a tough, he's going to be going and Oh, it's a, well, tough ball, like is it like bad? His, his ballpark's a tough division to hit in, but that doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah it's, it's bad. Yes, Pirates, Cubs, Cubs pitchers. Yeah, outside the Brewers. It's, it's I mean, even easy. the Reds. I mean, if they trade yeah. Castillo, and that ballpark get a little thin. So, yeah, could be so, interesting. Could be yeah, interesting for sure. But uh, we'll continue to recap each position, and then we'll come back with some previews to really give you some thoughts on how we want to dissect the upcoming 2022 season. But for now. Hope you guys have a great week. Uh, This was Bubba and the Batflip episode 103. We'll catch you guys next time.